the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. That there are consequences for our choices. And I just want to begin to dispel some confusion about the wrath of God before we get much further. There are three things I'd like to say. I think I saw it on a slide a moment ago about the wrath of God. Number one, its purpose is protective rather than destructive. The culture tries to paint this mean, nasty, mean God. Or some people say, well, why would God do that? Because he's protecting other people from the behavior of other people. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our series through the Book of Romans with a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, Portrait of the Unfaithful. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for your grace, Lord. It is sufficient for us, and uh, Lord, it's manifested in so many ways, Father. It's manifested in the written word of God. It's manifested in uh, the Holy Spirit that indwells believers. It's manifested through our salvation, It's manifested in our sanctification or spiritual growth, and it is manifested in the wrath of God. And we are so thankful for all of these things. Help us, Lord, as we look into Romans today to understand our faith so that we can enjoy a spiritually and emotionally healthy Christianity, uh, free from confusion, and uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. As you know, we are in a study of Romans. We return once again to the study of Romans, and it's entitled Understanding the Faith, because if you understand Romans, you understand Christianity. If you understand the content of Romans, you understand Genesis to Revelation. Uh, Every naughty, difficult doctrine of uh, the Bible is contained in Romans, and We are in that to understand our faith better. Uh, This is the third installment in our series. During the first installment, during the first message, we introduced the series with a 
portrait of the man of faith, the picture of the Apostle Paul, and we drew parallels between his life and our own. God set him apart, raised him up, gave him a message, and sent him out. He, you know, he was Saul. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was a man far from God, and Christ intervened in his life and took him off that Damascus road and set him on the road of a, as a missionary to the Gentiles. And we saw, understood that. We understood what it meant to meet Christ. We understood the mission that every Christian has. It's the same mission that Paul had. We're just in a different time and a different place, and we have the very same message. And then the second week, we understood what it meant to embrace the gospel. And it, mean, it meant, of course, surrendering to Christ, but it also means living for him. And so we looked at Romans 1, 16 and 17 that week. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Some translations say Gentile. And it talked about, the, for it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith. And we understood then that our role, our call as Christians was to reveal, not to conceal the gospel because of what it is. It is the power of God to salvation because of what it does, it saves. And we began to get a, a sense of that. Well, today we shift gears. We shift gears and we move into one of the more complicated, for some anyway, a complicated uh, passages in the book of Romans, uh, Romans uh, 1, 18 to 32. And we begin a discussion about the wrath of God. And really what you have here is it says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And the wrath of God is revealed through the unrighteousness of the unbeliever, of the unfaithful. And so today we want to understand the unfaithful. We want to understand the wrath of God toward unbelief and all that is rolled up in unbelief. And in this passage, we're going to see that God's wrath isn't what the culture often misunderstands it to be. It isn't often what many biblically illiterate Christians think it to be. And so what Paul does for us here is he really shows us the wrath of God as a response to what the unbelievers do. He here paints a portrait for us of the unfaithful, unbelieving person who invites the wrath of God upon himself or herself. And in so doing, Paul answers a lot of questions that we ask in this greatest letter ever written. In this letter we talked about before, some of the questions that are asked and answered for us are, what is God like? Does God, how can God send people to hell? Can a person who's never heard the gospel be responsible? Can they be hell responsible and condemned to hell? Why do people reject Christ? Is it they don't know? They're just ignorant of the gospel or some other reason? And where do false religions and idols come from? And why is there so much murder and hate and sexual perversion in this world? Roman, Romans answers that and this passage deals with that. Paul, in this passage, teaches us something about the wrath of God. And really, the wrath of God, when you think about it, can be avoided with common sense. You, you don't want to provoke someone unnecessarily. And you don't want to do things that are harmful to yourself. For example, you know, we think about the wrath of God. We think about common sense. There are just some things that common sense tells you to avoid or not to do. Like what? Don't touch a hot stove with your bare hand, right? I mean, that, that's a given. Don't play with matches. Don't run with scissors in your hands. Don't abuse or experiment with drugs. Don't forget to brush your teeth. Don't forget to eat or drink. Don't smoke while you're filling your vehicle's gas tank with gasoline. Don't share hypodermic needles with lots of people. 
Don't drive on the freeway with your eyes closed. Don't jump off a mountain and don't run down the stairs backwards blindfolded. These are all things that common sense tells us not to do. And common sense also tells us not to trifle with a holy God who has given us his word to keep us on the right path and to protect us from harming ourselves and others. You see, with all of these things, just like with the wrath of God, there is a cause and effect relationship. There is a consequence for doing dumb things. And when bad things lead to bad outcomes, it should not be rocket science. And when you ignore the God of the universe and all that he said, and, all, and when you denigrate all that he's provided you, it's not a good idea. And bad things are going to happen. The wrath of God is like common sense. And so what I want to do today is just sort of take you through our passage. And I'm, I'm not going to hit every single verse in Romans 1, 18 to 32. I'm going to hit the highlights for the sake of time today. But what I want you to do, I want you to see why those who ignore God, those who reject God, deserve the wrath of God. No matter who they are, where they are, how young or old they are, or where they come from, or what they have or haven't heard. So let's turn our Bibles to Romans 1.18, and let's get started. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, by their unrighteousness suppress the truth what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity to dishonoring their body among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. What you're seeing here is a cause and effect relationship between the behavior between the behavior of human beings and the wrath of God. You, you touch a hot stove, you get burned. And even just a cursory reading of that text shows you that there are consequences for our choices. And I just want to begin to dispel some confusion about the wrath of God before we get much further. There are three things I'd like to say, I think I saw it on a slide a moment ago, about the wrath of God. Number one, its purpose is protective rather than destructive. The culture tries to paint this mean, nasty, mean God, or some people say, well, why would God do that? Because he's protecting other people from the behavior of other people. The wrath of God is for our own good. God's wrath emphasizes the danger of opposing the divine will, of doing things that we know are wrong, harmful, and dangerous. There's that cause and effect thing, like running with scissors in your hand. And God's wrath is not vindictive, and it is not unpredictable. He's, he's clearly established, even for the unbeliever, natural laws that we know it's bad to jump off of a mountain. Because when you do, you're going to hit the ground. You're not, you violate the law of gravity and you die. You violate the, law, the laws of God and you suffer the consequences. And so his wrath is, uh, 
is not an impulsive, unpredictable outburst of anger aimed at people that God doesn't like. It's not that at all. See, God's not like us. That's the way we act. And we impose our ideas on God, kind of elevating ourselves to Godhood and kind of demoting him to something else. No, instead, God's wrath is a settled, determined response of a righteous and holy God against sin, against the sin that is revealed by dangerous and damaging conduct and behaviors that human beings engage in. And unfortunately and regrettably, our sin has consequences beyond us. Our bad choices are like hand grenades. They blow up and the shrapnel doesn't just hurt us, it hurts other people. And that brings God's wrath to bear on us, and that's why it's protective. Our passage tells us that God's wrath is constantly being revealed by the unrighteousness of people. It's being uncovered. It's being shown. It's being manifested because they are doing things that demand a response. Some of it is uh, cause and effect, consequential. That's called the consequential wrath of God. Some of it is called the wrath of abandonment, where somebody goes and goes and goes and goes, and God lets them go, and they destroy themselves and therefore limit further damage. And that's why I, I, I used that analogy a moment ago. There are some things you just don't do. You don't run with scissors in your hand. You don't, you don't touch a hot stove with a bare hand. You don't smoke a cigarette while you're filling your tank up with gas. And you don't ignore the will of God expressed in the word of God or expressed in nature. And nature reveals God's glory, reveals his character and and our design and the way that the world is designed reveals what's right and wrong all bad ideas which we have and do result in harm to us that we can only blame ourselves for and so we need to understand that you know you think of you think of uh, God's consequential wrath that's the prodigal son he runs off and blows it all and when he's at the end of himself he comes back to his father and that's part of the agency of the wrath of God there's also that aspect of uh, God's wrath of abandonment where the son was let go to do what he wanted to do to fully express his sin kind of like the Canaanites except there in the in the case of the prodigal son there was mercy and grace the Canaanites had you know did things and God let them go he let them do what they wanted he let Israel go for a while that's the wrath of abandonment both of these are found in our passage and so what I want to do today is understand six reasons why people experience the wrath of God from our text I know it's another six-point sermon Bear with me. We're going to look today into our text and find six reasons why the unfaithful and unbelieving experience the wrath of God. And the first reason is this. They suppress what they know is true. They suppress the truth. They suppress the truth. Where do we see that? We see it in the opening verse, right? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth as you go through this passage one of the things you realize is this passage is loosely based on the ten commandments and the unrighteous the ungodliness is the way they react to God and the unrighteousness is the way they treat other people and you'll see this play out in the passage but what they do here is they suppress the truth it's not a passive thing it's not like they ignore the truth they oppose it they attack it there is an active an active uh, arrogance and an active opposition to the truth. People, the ungodly and the unrighteous, those who have rejected God's gift of grace, actively do what they know is wrong and actively deny that it's wrong. And they suppress the truth, engaging in moral and intellectual and spiritual dishonesty because they know that the truth would hamper their lifestyle, hamper their preferences. I can give you some examples of people who 
you know, it's, it's almost like a, a child when he puts his fingers in his ear and goes, no, 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 I can't hear you. Let me give you some examples of this, more concrete that we see every day, maybe in the news or wherever. Protesters on college campuses shouting down op- opposing points of view. They're not even open to the idea that they might have something to learn from somebody else, an opposing concept or idea. They try to drown out or suppress what is true. They don't want to learn. This happens in a number of ways today. One of the ways that our society or our culture suppresses the truth is they relabel things of moral principles as bigotry or some kind of phobia. They want to drown out God's righteous opposition to their moral depravity so they can do the opposite of what they know is true. Let me give you some examples that I just kind of grafted into that idea. Who are you to tell me I can't run with scissors in my hands? You're scissorphobic. What do you mean telling me I can't fill up my gas tank while smoking a cigarette? It's my car. It's my life. Don't tell me about the rights of others nearby. It's my right to choose. You see the principle there? Who says I can't run downstairs backwards and blindfolded? That's who I am, you bigot. That's the way God made me. Let's be honest. There are some things people want to pretend that they don't know is wrong. So they don't have to be held accountable for it. And it takes many different forms. And it comes in many different iterations. You saw it in Jesus' ministry. In Jesus' ministry, in John 5, 39 and 40, Jesus confronted the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians who knew he was the Messiah. And they were suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. They were actively opposing what they knew was true, what what the evidence showed. And what does he say here? You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You know what? They didn't care how many miracles he performed. They didn't care how many prophecies he fulfilled. They hated him, and no matter what he said, they were going to do the opposite. That's suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. That's what they did. That's what people do today. The unfaithful and unbelieving experience the wrath of God today because they suppress what they know is true. They suppress, they oppress those who believe the truth. Which brings us to the next and the second reason why the wrath of God is visited down upon people while people deserve to experience the wrath of God through their unbelief. The the unfaithful and unbelieving deserve God's wrath because they ignore the evidence. They ignore the obvious. Where do we see that? We see that in verses 19 and 20. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For because his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, get this, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. They ignore the evidence. The evidence is everywhere, but they're without excuse. It's not that they don't know. It's that they don't want to know. And here where we, here we answer the question, is it right for God to send people to hell who've never heard the gospel? You bet it is, because no one that has ever lived has been unaware of his existence. Nobody's sitting on a mountaintop in the Himalayas or in a rainforest in the jungles of the Amazon. There's nobody who's without excuse. God's fingerprints are all over the creation, and so they ignore the evidence, and it costs them because they can see he has made his existence known and plain to them. He has shown his genius and presence to them through everything that has been made, through the complexity of every ecosystem, 
The way the water is heated by the sun and it evaporates and it rises up and it condenses and it rains, the hydropologic cycle. The fact that the sun rises and sets on schedule, we don't live in a world of random chance. We live in a world of systems. I remember as a young man when they invented the electron microscope, and that shows how old I am, um, them saying, well, now we're going to see the simplicity of the cell. And they got into the cell, and the cell wasn't, com- wasn't simple at all. It was hyper-complex. The evidence is everywhere. In fact, the Old Testament says that people are without excuse. Psalm 19, 1 through 3, what does it say? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Again, we're told this world is an accident, but our physical existence contradicts that notion. Has there ever been a 24-hour period where the sun didn't rise? Have we ever gone two days without a sunrise? Is our world that unpredictable? No. The visible creation proclaims God's existence. People are aware that there is a God, and they ignore the evidence. They suppress the truth at their own peril. And so everyone everywhere is without excuse. The heavens declare his glory. The sky above his handiwork. Sunrise to sunrise pours forth speech. Moonrise to moonrise reveals the knowledge of God. And there is no place where people aren't exposed to the beauty, the majesty, the complexity, and the organization and the structure of creation. Ignore the evidence and you experience his wrath. Jump off of a mountain and flap your wings and you drop like a stone. You may want to suppress what is true, but you can't. People put their hand on a hot stove and they get burned and they blame God. Why is God doing this? Because you did something stupid. You put your hand on a hot stove. Everybody knows that's crazy, just like ignoring God. You know, people talk about, well, it's unfair. No, fair, fair is that nobody comes to Christ. Fair, justice, fair is that nobody is forgiven. Nobody is saved. Nobody is redeemed. That's fair. So if you want to say the wrath of God is unfair and that he keeps giving people warnings through what you do this and you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself, well, I don't know. Let's move on to the third reason why people deserve and experience the wrath of God as they reject him, as they are unfaithful and unbelieving. Reason number three, they ignore his gift of grace. They willfully ignore his gift of grace. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They actively oppose the truth and attack those who believe the truth. They ignore the evidence. They deny the evidence. They look at this world and they reject what common sense lays on the table in front of them. And finally, not finally, and thirdly, they ignore his gift of grace. It's a willful, intentional ignorance. It's not accidental. We see it in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their understanding and their foolish hearts were darkened. Futile thinking, that's thinking that ignores the obvious. Futile thinking is thinking that is so set in its ways, so dulled, self-imposed dullness, so self-focused that it is ungrateful for the evidence set before it, for the forgiveness offered. God has made himself known to us through natural revelation. The heavens are proclaiming the glory of God. Through special revelation, through his word, the living word, Jesus Christ, and the effect that he's had on history, through his special revelation and his written word that we have that has been preserved and transmitted to us that we can read and understand plainly for ourselves and make sense of our existence. 
He's done for us what we could not do and would not do for ourselves, provided salvation, paid the bill, the sin debt that we owed through the death of his son on the cross. And people ignore that gift of grace. I'm reminded that even in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it tells us that God has put eternity in man's hearts. Man knows that he needs to worship something. The problem is, is that he wants to worship himself. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Amen.